of the things we do podcast, a podcast about film life, television, culture, mental health, and all that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Monique Warren. Hello. 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 How are you? <laughs> I, I'm very well. How are you? I am well. I am, like, surprisingly sitting in Sydney uh, weather at the moment, which has been, like, a typhoon today oh, yeah. um, of, like, sunny morning and then pouring rainy afternoon, and I'm very confused. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know quite what's going on. What about your day? What have you done today? I did lots of life admin today. Mm-hmm. I did some shopping today. It was sort of like day off vibes today of just getting the life things done. Mm-hmm. Mm, nothing, nothing exciting. <laughs> Look, isn't that the best way of being an adult? I suppose so. <laughs> So doing chores, yeah, oh, that's the best. Um, so when you're not doing chores and you're not doing life yeah. admin, what are you normally doing? Because I imagine the people on the internet want to know who you are and what you do. I do so many different things. Um, I my biggest project this year um, was a program where we went into regional primary schools and boosted their performing arts programs. So, yeah, that's taken up a lot of my time this year, which has been really cool. Like mm-hmm. um, I have met so many different people this year just and and sharing the arts and building confidence. And so, yeah, I performing arts teach a lot. Um, I work at a restaurant um, and what other – I do other actory sort of things and – I'm in a play at the moment that we're not performing at the moment, but um, we will be performing again next year. Um, yeah, I just sort of go from project to project and do different different creative things. I suppose is is what I do day to day. That's awesome. Was that kind of where you saw your life trajectory going? Maybe, I suppose as as part of the as part of the um. The stepping stones, yeah. I've yeah. I've been involved in sort of performing arts teaching since I graduated high school. So, yeah, and I've I've actually just um I've just stopped doing kids parties. Ooh. Like saw that leaving my life, and then it left my life. So, yeah, I suppose so. I reckon I'll be teaching for maybe the rest of my life in some capacity. So you like you like educating people, basically. I think it's more I like to connect with people, and and I like to make like to help people connect with each other. I don't know that it's necessarily about education because I think if that was the case, I would go to a a teaching degree and be like a school teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was this like starting your career and, you know, basically little Monique, um, which, you know, years years go by, what was it always to be a serious actor or was it always to be a comedic actor or like to, you know, what aspect of like performing sort of drew you into it? As a kid, it was definitely singing, but not necessarily like um, pop star singing, although I was a huge Australian Idol fan as a kid. Really? Yeah, Blaster in the past. Yeah, loved it. And then, I don't know, I just sort of fell into more theatrical, musical theatre stuff Mm. as a teenager. And then I studied music theatre and now I'm... I mean, I have those skills and I love those skills, but I don't know right now anyway that music theatre is is like the big goal. I think I've always wanted to do a bit of everything because it's all a bit of fun, generally speaking. Um, 
How, I don't have a a clear answer to that question, actually. Interesting. No. Yeah. I mean, I like that you don't have a clear answer because I feel like people who have a clear answer, like, it, uh, it's very defined. They've, they've clearly thought about it for a long time. I mean, um, I think it's more that I there's just so many different things that I like to do or I want to do. I think that's what it is. And, you know, life's long, so I will hopefully get to do lots of them. I, I mean, wh- what are what are some of the um, things that you want to do? What, what are some of the things that you're, like, desperate to sink your teeth into? I really am hoping for the next couple of years that I can actually write my own shows. Ooh. Yeah, and I'm... It scares me so much to write my own material, but I also want to write my own material. That's sort of like the next, next like creative mm. venture. I think that if I can get my head around it, yeah, and deal with a self critic who's like, you don't know how to write a show. Yeah. Then I'll eventually write a show. But yeah. Are you a bit of a perfectionist? Historically, we're moving away from it. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that it's historic. Like Yeah. I think I think lots of artists are, you know, but <laughs> I also know that it doesn't always serve me. Yeah. I mean that I mean that's cool as well because I feel like in this modern era, especially in our generation, like writing their, our own material is kind of what defines us, but also kind of I guess makes it more fun for us. Because I find, like, all my friends currently are writing their own material. Like, they're like, oh, I'm just working on my own thing at the moment. Um, So it's kind of like the self-expressionism, like, time. It's just, I think, a nice way to to keep the artist machine running between, like, bigger gigs. Yeah. I mean, I had this conversation earlier with one of my friends uh, about commercial versus, like, independent art and Mm. art scene Mm. and how I think... I could never give myself up to just full-time commercial life where it's, you know, a complete sellout of everything that I do. I love independent theatre and I love independent um, film industry way too much because I feel like, um, you know, when you see that, especially in like sometimes on the cheap end or sometimes in the big budget end, um, it's kind of incredible what people create. And I think that particularly like, you know, the, the COVID, it's kind of switched that. Where it's like, you know, more people appreciate independent stuff than they used to. I think the mainstream audience kind of go, oh, there's, there's more to this than I gave it original credit for. Yeah, it's not always just getting up on stage and or just grabbing a camera and giving it a go. I feel like sometimes there's that, there's that sentiment of like, oh, they're just, they're just doing things that are fun and easy on stage. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> but there's also a little bit more involved than that. Yeah. I mean, do, do you... Still, and I guess when you were younger as well, did you get those people going, oh, you're one of those people when you were sort of like, oh, I want to stay in the arts and the you know, the theatre and performance scene. Um, did you get people going, oh, you know, that's not a real job, but you're going to get a real job? I mean, in my periphery, but I have um, an amazing family who I think have just always been like, if you love it, give it a go and then... You can get a real job if you, if and when you need to. Mm. A real job, I say. Yeah. Being an artist is absolutely a real job. Um, it's how I make my living. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the main voices, like, and my main role models as a kid in in my close circle were pretty supportive, which was nice. And I also, 
I found as a kid I wasn't always like I just was so much better at doing creative stuff than I was at you know times tables and spelling and so I think I was just encouraged to continue that mm. and then here I am it's 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 funny as well because having done a bit of research onto you and also like flicking through your Instagram which looks insane <laughs> um welcome to the world <laughs> You look like a mad hatter, I will admit. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I thought you'd appreciate that. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm actually like, I'm here for that. Thank you. <laughs> but you've also got this like, I think I think most people as well, like, you know, you're like me, which is like very much driven into this industry. I always find like artists nowadays, like, you know, I guess it's a generational thing as well, especially when like, you know, um, people have just turned, you know, 20 and they've gotten internet all up in their lives. Um, and then I'm just like, oh no, that's, you know, I remember the days when you had to kind of look around and, you know, perform a show and it wasn't like, it was just a pamphlet <laughs> in a slide box that people don't yeah. think about. Like, did you, did you feel like when you graduated, like uh, then kids today have it easier than I guess you did at the same time when you started in the industry? I just think it's different. I think, I think everyone has their own challenges and maybe the industry has yet yeah, has shifted from when I graduated which was what five years ago so really not that long ago as in I graduated from drama school or do you mean high school or yeah when did you graduate so drama school I consider very different like university I graduated high school in 2010 so I'm I'm a prehistoric being uh, to tell most people. but um when did you graduate high school 2012 okay so you're only two years yeah so like you know particularly because we would have grown up in the time when internet was just, you know, pretty new. So the dial-up. It's my impression of, um, you know, having to disconnect your phone cord and your, to get your internet working so you could go on MSN and then your mum's like, I need to use the phone. It was the best kind of time. I miss those times when I get screamed at at the other end of the house. Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> I miss those times too. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I, I think that's how I imagined also, like, when, you know, when we did have dial-up internet and you did kind of like, you know, MSN and, you know, I basically went a lot, I remember when a lot of websites were coming up and new and how you sort of made connections and stuff. And there were always forum chats that were deep and dark on the web that you should avoid, like, 10-foot pole. <laughs> um, you know, it was fun times. <laughs> it was absolutely fun times. But, I mean, like, you know, now... I guess the thing is, like, young performers have YouTube. They can upload straight away, too. I mean, we do. Like, we have that platform, too. But I remember when it was only, mm. you know, used as vlogs. And now it's, like, a conglomerate of everything. Like, every social media platform uses it. Same with, um, you know, TikTok is now new. Um, Instagram. And suddenly I'm just, I'm finding it hard to keep up with, like, all the things that people use. Do you find the same that you're just like, you stick to one social platform now to kind of like upload things to? Yeah. I I think I would like to and will eventually go away from Instagram. But I, I mean, I don't even upload much anymore other than the odd Instagram post. And then, you know, I use YouTube to send um, self-tapes and things. Mm. It is overwhelming though. And I think most people would say that, yeah. even though we're all addicted and we all love it and hate it. But I also know that it's such a useful tool for self-promotion and for connecting with people. And mm. I mean, this is, I don't think this is necessarily social media as much, but over the last 
sort of 12 months or so, I've been meeting people in person that I met online during our lockdowns, mm, you know, yeah. and I, I find that really cool, you know, and then it's been so lovely connecting with someone and, you know, bumping into someone. I'm like, I know you, but we've never met in person. This is so exciting. Yeah. Um, so that I don't know, in, in that way, social media has been incredible for that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I love about it as well. Um, and, you know, the, the advantages that have come out of COVID because I feel like before COVID, everyone was very hesitant to use it as a, like, networking and social platforms, like especially Instagram and, um, you know, like Facebook now is used predominantly, you know, a lot of people use that to communicate with each other. Even if they don't know each other, you just kind of, like, message people. Um, I mean, I love it. I think it's great. Um, I do find like Instagram particularly overwhelming because there's a, a lot, <laughs> there's a lot to it. And it's just also like, I, you know, like doom scrolling. You just, you don't want to get into that like algorithm where you're like, oh, that's right. What are my friends doing? And then you're like, oh, what have I done with my day? Like, I need to stop. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that happened to me a few times in lockdown. But I mean, like, you know, I, I do agree with you. I think like social media is great. It's a great like platform. I mean, you're probably better if you're going to try and advertise yourself as having a website than having an Instagram, but you know, like. Well, I don't know. It's necessarily better. I just think it's different. Really? Depends how you're wanting to present yourself at the time. But you know, you can just put your instant, your, in, not your internet, your Instagram, for example, in your email uh, signature yeah. as you would a website. I mean, I don't know. I I haven't really particularly cultivated anything like this for myself, but I, the, when I look at other artists and see how, how they've done that, for me it doesn't matter if they've got a website or just an Instagram page or a Vimeo page. Like It's about self-expression. So if you, yeah, if you find that that's a better medium for you, then cool. I mean, I like that. I like that. I like that answer because it's like you don't have to stick to one. Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of a lot of the time, I find people show reels on Vimeo or YouTube. So those are like the two things. But occasionally, I do find a Facebook page, which you know has everyone's like you know actual official stuff. What's been interesting about Facebook, and I hardly ever use it, but I so I I was I did a fabulous play in um, Melbourne Fringe Festival, and I did actually post like once or twice on on Facebook, and People who I hadn't talked to in ages who are quite a bit older than me, like it was a great way to connect with them. Mm. And I I suppose I just had forgotten about Facebook and then I used it and then I was like, oh, there's all the whole, like a whole lot of people that I have been not connecting with that still use Facebook. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Because I love, I do, my two favorites are TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. Which, you know, are you a doom scroll on TikTok? No, I I just like funny things and I like creative things. And then I'm like, all of a sudden I go, oh, no, we've had enough. And I stop. That's really, you have good self like management. Only with TikTok. Really? Not with Instagram. Yeah. I think it's because, and it's a recent thing, I get a, like a bit fatigued from all of the, like the short mm. clips and it's very like, you know, it's overstimulation. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, hang on. Why do I feel crappy? Uh-huh, because it's, I've been on TikTok for 20 minutes, two hours, whatever. Yeah. Your brain doesn't know how to like <laughs> yeah. comprehend all that information and keep going and keep going and keep going. 
it's like I've got to limit it and yeah. and stop here. And I like going outside, so <laughs> I do try to put my phone down. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, like, I think it's also you know, like, how did you go in in a, a particularly like you know? I know COVID's a bit of the past. Did you find you were more creative during you know? Mm-mm. Not at all. No, not at all. I really struggled to to feel connected. Yeah, I I realized that I was much less of an introvert than I always thought I was and am. Like I I, I definitely have introverted tendencies, but mm. much less so now. I think. So very you you describe yourself as a very extroverted person. For I thought of myself as a um extroverted introvert. Oh, yeah. So someone who it, it's like I love socializing, and then all of a sudden I'm like, no, leave me alone. But I just think at the moment, um, I don't always, I'm not always aware that I'm craving social interaction and then I have social interaction and I just go, oh, I feel better now. So it's like it rejuvenates you a little bit. And you're yeah. Like, oh. Which is, which is, I think, something I've grown into in my, in my old age. Yeah, you're so old and ancient. <laughs> <laughs> the white hair's already settling in. <laughs> the beard, the wise beard. Yeah, the wise beard. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like that's really good as well because, I mean, you know, the, the coin goes either side as well and I feel like, you know, I, I've gone the opposite, <laughs> which is ironic. I used to be a very extroverted person. Now I'm sort of very like, I like my alone time. But, um, but I'm also like an... Extra, yeah, I'm like you. I'm an extroverted introvert. Like, mm. I like, I get excited when I see people, but once I've had enough, and like my partner describes this all the time, and she goes, Yeah, when Marty's had enough, you just, you shut down and you just go, No, nope, yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it sounds really blunt, but it's not. <laughs> it's like, it's. It's just like processing, you know? Mm. You, your brain needs process time. For me, anyway. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's like the only way that, like, I think it's also because um i guess i get like i i don't want to say this all the time but i feel like i'm you know like <laughs> rinse and repeating but it's i think it's partially because of my neuro um divergent brain where it's like mm. adhd kind of probably overstimulate and then needs to actually switch off mm. um but i do find like i went to this awesome thing this morning which was uh, i think the most inclusive thing and it was an like, aquarium session at sea life in disney um and disneyland no oh. in darling harbour i was like oh that's way more exciting uh, <laughs> no it was in darling harbour and it was like this sea life you went around the aquarium and it was for like basically anyone who wanted to like register and do it it was free um but yeah, it was like they turned down the lines, the music wasn't on, like you could actually just immerse yourself into looking at fish mm. for like an hour and a half. And we did that. We got there at eight in the morning. We finished at like nine forty something and then went home. Um, but it was like the best experience. Like it was so nice. And I think it just made me really appreciate like the little things of going, you know, and I feel like, uh, you know, like post post lockdown and especially like post that, you know, awful era um it's kind of just helped me really appreciate the little things that i you know has happened particularly and 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 things that i can i guess add uh collectively to life experience because i feel like i get more out of you know having this sort of like uh, you know like quiet time you know especially without like heaps of sound and heaps of loud like i'm terrible with loud auditory noises 
which is ironic. I just can't stand them. I remember when I was in a cinema when I was a kid and just like the loud bangs in movies, I was like, nah, I'm done. Like, cannot deal. Um, and yeah, like this experience was like one of the best, mm. but it's very interesting now being an adult because I think w when I was like in my teens, it wasn't as well exp explained my like, you know, the way my brain was wired was not well informed. And so therefore I was like, oh, how does it, you know, like, cause I was the only interest in performing arts and I was very in interested in all these creative things. I didn't know anyone else who was interested in those things as much as I was. So I was like at lunchtime pretending there was a comet flying to earth and, and trying to convince all my friends to play like apocalypse kind of scenarios. <laughs> so, you know, why not? Did you successfully convince them? Like were your friends like, well, no, yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, look, I, I never said I didn't convince them. Uh, you know, it was just, it was a, you know, a shoddy attempt and it got them in. Yeah. And then we played it for like, I think, an hour at recess. It was great. It. Like, you know, why not? Yeah. I mean, kids, kids play games and make up stuff and it's so, kids are just so creative like that. You know, it's, it's, a, it's amazing the lack of inhibition they have in that regard. That's so cool. Yeah, I, like, I mean, like, I loved it. I was kooky, you know, like, I guess back then as well, I was like, oh, is that the weird kid? Is that what weird kids do? But now as an adult, I just embrace that, like, eccentricity and weirdness that I guess people <laughs> do. But I still, like, do find people who, I guess, don't understand what, you know, the love of the arts is or what the love of being creative or, you know, you know, finding enjoyment out of being a, you know, a big kid, like, I guess, do you feel like, especially with other actors, because I've, I've noticed this, especially by loving like the arts and being, you know, like super interested in the arts, there's like two kinds of performers or two kinds of creatives, ones who kind of like, I guess, want this, you know, deep and meaningful and you know, introspective kind of art. And then the other, like, I'm a bit of an in-between, which is like, you know, love those artworks, love those to bits, but I also love being stupid and silly and, you know, and weird and wonderful and just kind of rolling with anything and rolling, seeing what life brings. Are you, are you on, which side are you, do you think, on? Oh, definitely um, the silly side. I, um, a couple of years ago, started clowning. And, um, like one of the phrases that my teachers say is like, you know, finding the pleasure to play mm. and that whole philosophy, I suppose, just has sat with me so well. And so even when I am doing, you know, serious actor things, it's like finding the pleasure to play mm -hmm. that serious actor stuff. And so I suppose it's not easy sometimes, but. I know that I function best when at my core there's a bit of silliness and a bit of play and um, that's, yeah, I I just can't take it too seriously because I think, you know, I get quite existential about the world and about life anyway that if then my um my acting philosophy is also serious, then what hope have I got? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It, it's interesting you talk about existential crisis and, and moments like that because I think that's why I enjoy silliness as well. It's a release. Yeah. A way to cope or a way to connect and I don't know. For me anyway, when when life is a bit crappy, like the crappiness can't 
really coexist with silliness at the same time. Might happen from moment to moment. You know, you might be sad one moment and then happy the next, but can't coexist. No. It's my theory. I like that theory. I think that also the thing about art in general and and what I think it speaks to people, especially, you know, we talk about creating our own art, is that self-expression or that self, you know, putting your own thoughts out there, which is, you know, or ideas, you know, whatever whatever's sort of in our brains onto a piece of paper and then getting other people or ourselves to perform it and, you know, show it to the world or show it to a handful of people. I think that that in itself can be an interesting experience and a very vulnerable experience because, um, I don't know, It's I find it very interesting the way everyone just processes art and just in general, like, you know, how we... How we have ideas and then we sort of formulate them onto scripts or we formulate them onto little notes in our classroom. And then over time, that becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger idea. But we have probably about 20 ideas or 20 feelings that we want to kind of, you know, go with. And if we put all those feelings onto the, into the work, it's probably going to feel like a mess. But it's kind of like funneling them down and trying to, you know, mash them down this little like pipe tube and see what comes out the other end if it's a solid idea. I mean, I've got a book upstairs like filled with notes that I'll never probably turn into something and some that I might turn into something that I think is interesting. But I do think that with with all this and the way like we feel about, you know, projects and everything, I feel like us as performances, we kind of have a duty and a responsibility in some regards to show people who might not be able to emotionally, you know, like, cause you talk about connection and I feel like some, not everyone can emotionally connect, but art brings us all together. Like it's some amazing, like. Maybe depends what kind of art and what the message is. Well, I mean, a lot of. Totally devised too. I mean. You're you're bringing out the layers of art. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I should go like, I don't know, go to an art history degree or something. And then I'll. Then I'll be able to really tell you. Would that be art history, mate? It'd be like an anthropology degree in like in art within culture. Oof, maybe that's like a, a PhD I'll do one day. One day. I mean, that would be a good PhD. Maybe I don't know. I feel like I. <laughs> I feel like actually I'll just do the art rather than um, theorize it. <laughs> I mean, do you do you feel like though with your own creations and with and especially with wanting to produce your own work? do you feel like these stories are like very personal to you or are they sort of stories that you've just wanted to tell since you were a kid? The things that I am wanting to put out into the world in the short term are just about silliness and sort of almost clown. Um, So I don't, and interestingly, if you, you just mentioned about being a kid, as a kid, I was very silly, but I remember people being like, oh, Mon's the silly one, but like never the like clever witty one. And now I'm like, I want to be a bit like, look at me world. Like I wrote a funny show. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> um, but I don't, you know, I don't necessarily, it's, I suppose it's just not that um, cognizant for me. It's just about, I want to just do things in my life that I suppose you know, make me feel good selfishly. And then, you know, I connect with 
others in the process and, you know, and uh, at a point if that isn't art, then that's fine too, I think, you know, in, in my career and in my life. So I just don't know that it's that sort of big and bold of like, you know, what have you? What story have you already always wanted to tell? It's not sort of mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's n- just doesn't feel like it's that attached to my soul. It's just a thing. Yeah, just something to try, something to do, and to be like, I'm silly, I'm fun. Yeah, mm. for myself though, and sure, the byproduct might be someone else will laugh, or they won't, and. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I love that as well because, you know, th- that's got to be the reason you do stuff and you create stuff um, is is kind of like this, you know, laughing about it for yourself or, or doing it a little bit for yourself. Like what do you want to challenge yourself in? Yeah. And, I mean, it's not just – it's not that I just want to make people laugh. I mean, you know, when I graduated drama school, I wanted to be such a – like I just wanted to be in musicals. That's all I wanted to do. Mm. But it was still the same feeling of I just I just want to do. So I actually don't think it, at the end of the day for me it necessarily matters what. If I connect with the what, then it is the thing. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if that really makes so much sense. But anyway, <laughs> it does in my head. No, it does in my head too. Don't worry. Everything that you're saying is making 100% sense. Um I think that's very honest and very open as well because, you know, like the what, you know, as long as that connection is there, do you, do you kind of like write stuff, especially create stuff as, as like a single player or do you like sort of creating stuff as ensemble pieces as well? Because, I mean, do you write music? I could write music. I have written music. To be honest, writing isn't a love. Like I don't. Yeah. I love being in a room with other creative people and creating in the space. Right. Rehearsing in the space, finding stuff in the space, being on set and, you know, the director being like, give me a different offer. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. That, that's what I love. So this new identity of, a, of creating and writing solo is, yeah, I'm, I'm at the beginning of the journey. So, and it's, it's a bit of a lonely journey at the beginning. Um, so I look forward to, um, you know, slowly processing my thoughts and then slowly bringing more people on, on to be like, hey, can you be my director or mm. hey, can you help me do my promo or, you know, whatever. If, you know, if my writing ends up being for other people, maybe it'll just be for me. I, yeah, but I just have come to a point in my, I suppose, my artistic journey where I'm like, I have to have other things that, creatively sustain me between bigger or more exciting or more interesting creative gigs mm. or day-to-day jobs yeah you know because it can't it can't all be the mundane I, I like that I mean it, yeah it's just it's just interesting because I guess it creates a personal challenge as well you know, because I guess when we write, you know, and I, I don't know, my experience might be different, but I, whenever I write ideas, I don't think every one of them is going to be crack hot or I send them to probably about 20 friends and go, do you think this is decent? Um, you know, there's a lot of, I guess, that perfectionism worry. Yeah, that critic. Which I mean, like, I, I'm, I, I honestly and wholeheartedly say I'm, I'm one of my own worst critics. I'm very 
like self-deprecating and you know um overcritically analyzing my own stuff um like it's hard to sit down and 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 just let it exist um do you find like especially when you perform stuff and you know and you read other people's work do you get more like i guess imposters and or like i guess shock syndrome especially when you sort of want to create your own stuff do you look at other people who's right and just think in the back of your head i could never do this something as good as this i mean sure that thought is there but i am also like i i've become very cognizant of of the things that i say to myself and say to others you know can can be damaging and i'm not saying you know i can saying to myself i can't do that is gonna ruin my life but um, if I catch myself having thoughts like that, I try my best to reframe. And it's, it's a lifelong journey with that, actually. I have this like iconography of a star. And so like on my iPad pencil, it says you're a star. And I have several pairs of, um, earrings that are stars. And I will often say to people, well, they've just done a show and I want to celebrate them. Or if they say a self-deprecating thing just in passing I'll be like no you're a star and I think sometimes it sounds a bit facetious but I'm I'm like no it's true because I I don't know for me there's just so there is so much negative crap that I have to counter it with some sort of positivity mm. and I you know I read somewhere once that um your brain doesn't doesn't know the difference between like sarcasm and truth and so, you know, some expert out there can actually tell me whether that's actually true or not. But but that has stuck with me because I go, well, if I'm giving myself sarcastic comments, then I'm going to start believing those. Yeah. But it's a journey. You know, I'm constantly trying to reframe so that my thoughts and critiques are constructive or you know, not not just living in like a, a toxic positivity or aren't brutal. Yeah. Have you did you particularly struggle with that when you were younger? Like a lot of, you know, self criticism and I think so. Yeah. And then my mid twenties it all sort of hit me. Mm. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's hard. Um, you know, but I mean it's it's great that you've come out the other side and you're able to, you know, put this re reinforce these sort of like self you know measures and I guess like self-improvement and just I'm really at peace with the fact that it's probably always going to have to do it I'm always going to have to self-manage the critic which you know a couple of years ago I was like no I just want to be happy yeah <laughs> anyway for me I have to just always work at it yeah I mean like it's interesting as well because you know and I think I look back at my previous self and my younger self, especially when I was, like, I was trying to be an artist when I was in my 20s and I graduated school, um, you know, and did, you know, TAFE and everything. And I was like, suddenly had my first time full-time job and I was like, oh, I'm amazing. I'm the best. And, you know, like, look at me and how great I am. And I know everything better than everyone else. I didn't. I would like to say I did not. Um, but I, I had a lot of, like, self-improvement and self-learning to do and self like a lot of that is it came from also self-love and not not really loving my you know like and I came to this realization 
you know, about a year ago, but I really sort of like thought about it more so now that I remember when I was younger, because I used art and, and particularly like, you know, imagination games and stuff, I really used that as a way to connect to people. And because I think I really struggled with not connecting. I loved connecting and, and making people feel positive and making people laugh and, you know, and being silly. And I really... I hated not being able to do that. And I got really worried that I wasn't, you know, val- you know, like important or, um, you know, at, at all and anything. And I think it was like quite a damaging time, but I think also like, um, self-improvement actually, you know, ironically came out of lockdown for me because I was able to have, you know, I lived on my own for two years. So I had some time away from everything where, you know, I felt like my world was crumbling apart and, you know, I could, you know, focus on me and actually do some self-improvement of like, well, why are, why are everyone reacting this way? Why is like this this way? How am I going to improve myself as a person but not change fundamentally, you know, the core values I have, which is very different to, I guess, how I manage like anxiety or, you know, bouts of self-criticism or you know bouts of depression mm. you know like things like that and it's like how do I manage all these things um and go well my friends don't want to hear all the time that I'm you know like oh this is shit and this is shit like you know you don't want to spread negativity and I was like well how do I just go this is great this is great I'm happy here I'm happy here and, you know, as you say, it's not an overnight thing where you're suddenly like, yay. Um, you know, I didn't wake up one day and sort of suddenly see roses. But, you know, I definitely gone through, you know, a quite a number of years of self-journey and self-care mm. to get here. And I think, it, I think it also helps, like, meeting meeting all you people and, you know, like, getting to connect with you guys because it's like – you meet when you start connecting. It goes back to that root of connecting. When you connect with people, you suddenly you just see so many different perspectives, and like, I you know I only have one perspective. I you know value that. I only know it from my own lens. But that's why you you know we ask questions. I feel like that's the that's the key lesson I have taken away from this entire journey. In like you know. <laughs> six years six or seven years since I kind of went to that realization because you know otherwise it was just flicking people away and you know saying I'm way better at this than you are and you know making worse off than you know realizing those are you know like things that you want to connect and grow with people do you feel like as well you know when you when you graduated school because I I had this sense that you know like particularly with the the confines of school and the confines of education, once they went, there was just me. Did you feel like, the, the, you know, like you were a bit more like in your own head once you left school and you, you kind of didn't have these constant education distractions and, you know, suddenly you were like, I really need to like push to be an adult? I don't know that I've ever consciously thought of that. If anything... Of recent years, I'm pushing to be more of a child. <laughs> and it's funny because I, now as we talk about it, um, often when I teach really young kids, you know, they'll say, how, I'll ask how old I am. And then I reply with, well, how old are you? And they'll be like, I'm seven. And I'll be like, can I be seven? And they're like, no. I was like, why not? Why can't I pick? Um, 
So I don't, yeah, I don't feel like I necessarily have had that sense graduating high school that I was desperate to be an adult. Mm. Um, I mean, maybe, but that's not really something that's entered my self-reflection at all. I mean, that's totally, yeah. that's totally I fair. mean, I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure as a teenager, there was that sense of like, you know, I can't wait to be growing up, can't wait to do all these things and... Mm. You know, I'm sure the day I got my license, I was like, woo, I'm so adult. But um, it's not been a big overlying thing for me of, of needing or wanting to be in a, you know, different um, age space than I was yeah. physically. I don't think, anyway. You haven't been rushing it or going like there's, you know, I need to be this. I mean, I possibly have been, but I haven't been cognizant of it. <laughs> I, do, I like that as well. I mean, it's... I, I love the fact that you are a big child as well, like that you embrace your silliness. We try. We try. It's hard sometimes. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it's also like, you know, it's that constant battle, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, do you feel now, you know, and, and you mentioned, you know, do you feel way more on top of on top of it because I feel like your entire personality is just silly. On top of what? Well, on top of your silliness and <laughs> like, clownishness. No, I feel like a baby clown. You um, feel like a baby yeah, clown. I'm totally a baby clown. But I feel um, I feel more at ease to be who I am, I suppose. Mm. that's And I think I was already heading that way and I, you know, have some beautiful friends that bring this out of me. But for me, actually coming into into clowning and like – starting to learn the craft has really helped me just be like say that what's that classic thing of like you know you are enough it it I don't necessarily use that language for myself but mm. I do think that that's part of what clowning has given me is you know all I've got is me so let's try just be it because <laughs> I want to talk a bit of like about you know, the fact that you did children's parties and the fact that you did clowning, I mean, too big, <laughs> you know, because you talk about like, oh, I've left that chapter of, you know, children's parties behind. Which is so funny because two weeks ago, my friend was like, my kids' party um, work is desperate for someone to fill in this afternoon, you're free. And I was like, yes, I'm free. <laughs> and I literally, like, I literally retired. And then I was like, fine, I'll do kids' parties. Just because I, I have free time at the moment. So I was like, oh, fine. But the intention is not to do kids' parties, if possible. <laughs> I mean, did you enjoy it for the years? Like, was it a fun? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, because children are hilarious most of the time. <laughs> I mean... What was the most interesting parties that you went to? Like, did you have to dress up as characters or did you kind of just, like, what was what did it involve? I have done all sorts of different parties, but most recently I was doing princess parties. Mm. And, look, I, find, I did find that quite hard at times. Like, I fit into the sort of princess mold quite easily in that, um, you know, I'm tall and lean and white and mm. put some mascara on me and and a wig and I'm I look like Elsa you know like found that a little bit tricky um I suppose just I would just in general I'd find it really interesting um you know going and and just not knowing what sort of party you were going to get because some parties you'd have parents who just be like let you just do your thing mm. and let their kids just have a good time and it's all just about 
everyone just enjoying each other's company and being silly and having a sing and playing games, and, you know, and then there'd be parties where parents really want you to do something really specific and that's fine, but it doesn't always necessarily work for the three-year-olds in front of you because, you know, sometimes, well, not sometimes, three-year-olds can't focus for an hour and a half, for example. Mm. Um, yeah, it was it was a great people-watching exercise. Nothing is springing to mind of like a particular party but I'm sure they were. If I went through my journals, I'm sure they'd be, went to this party. It was crazy. Oh, my God. But it's gone from my brain. <laughs> I love that, though. I mean, it's interesting that you raised the fact that, like, did you feel like parents were, you know, as particularly when you sort of said, oh, I fit into this Elsa kind of thing particularly. Was that an identity crisis there or was it just kind of weird because it didn't match your personality? Um, Elsa was certainly my favourite. Um, princess because she the costume this, there was no um no corset and I could wear boots rather than heels and also like I quite like singing Elsa's songs because they are you know like into the unknown is a little bit gutsier than um I don't know what did some of the other ones sing I really can't remember now gosh my brain my brain is just like no you don't do that anymore stop thinking about it <laughs> um but, yeah, it, I did find sometimes, you know, if I was dressing up as Cinderella or Rapunzel and I, you know, did look in sort of Disney terms beautiful, I, towards the end I was like, I don't really like this. I don't – it doesn't feel good for people to be oh, – maybe this is a really, like, privileged, shitty thing to say, but it doesn't feel good anymore for people to value me just on what I look like and be like, oh, my gosh, wow, you're so pretty. I'm like – Thanks, but you know what I what I suppose I value in other people or try to value in other people is not just what they look like. Yeah, I think that's that. I think, and at the end of the day, I think that's part of why I um, have stepped away from kids' parties because, yeah, that sort of superficiality. Although it's part of our society and our culture, it it just was becoming too much to do every week. Yeah. yeah. But gosh, kids' parties are also hilarious. Like, I've had some great times and I learned so much. And mm. I, I remember because I first did kids' parties when I graduated high school straight away. Oh, wow. I was doing disco parties and I used to get so anxious, you know, knocking on someone's door and being like, hi, here I am for a kids' party. Please love me. <laughs> Whereas now I go into a party and be like, hi, here I am. Mm. Hope you like me. You know, there's that, it, that's been really like, gratifying I suppose to just not have that anxiety anymore yeah it's a shift mm, mm. I've grown you've grown look at that <laughs> I feel like that's also great because it's interesting that you mentioned the superficial thing it's hard with our profession being an actor is for me anyway a visual medium yeah but I mean like that's probably why I lent to radio as well because mm. like and I fell in love with radio and radio plays because you never knew what anyone would look like. So you could, your brain could imagine, and it was based entirely on performance. Um, I don't know. They're, they're, I, I love and hate like a lot of it. I think beauty standards are completely wrong and subverted and not honest and true. And yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. I mean, also because I guess I have, uh, you know, the, the slight like you know, privileged position, but, you know, I do photography, so that for their, 
I have a huge judgment on Photoshop images and I don't touch Photoshop with a million years. Like I only use Lightroom to adjust colors and, you know, half the photos I take, actually all the photos I take, I, I've never altered any of them, um, are hundred percent of how people look. Mm. And I think that has gotten me a lot more, a, a lot more respect from, um, you know, female identifying people and, and women, you know, particularly because it, it's like, I just think they look forward to seeing not adjusted body images and stuff like that. And I think that's a very sort of like male gaze view though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. To have something so um, manicured and airbrushed. No. Yeah. I th- I think that's what sort of intrigued me about you as well, because you know, your entire social is just kooky and crazy and doesn't feel like, you know, it's interesting, you know, like it doesn't feel glitz and glamour or, you know, it just feels kooky and silly and, you know, and fun. And I think, a lot of the time when I see performance outlines, especially, you know, female outlines, it is very catered to a generalized male gaze audience. And I guess, like, you forget you forget that artist side of it where it's like, well, we are performing. We are doing this thing. And I think um, there's, you know, like, I'm not saying people shouldn't look pretty or elegant if they want to, but I don't think... Well, I mean, I, I have and I do also still... But it's complicated. Yeah. It's 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 not as straightforward. And I feel like it's hard on kids, especially going in with that expectation of, you know, uh, you know, being adults. Because, you know, like I, I talk about it often, but like my cousin's kids are very much like very close to me. And they're like 10 and 13. And one of them's non-binary and talking to me about like, you know, queer identity and, you know, and not conforming and it's funny because I talk to them all about like you know friends I know and my own experiences in in the community and everything and I just try to give them like positive reinforcement and and you know they live in Canberra so you know like I don't know what Canberra's scene is like but I know Sydney's scene you know particularly in the 90s and the early 2000s was completely different to what it is now where it's like so many people I know are just like so open. I'm like, I wish I had that kind of level of, I guess, not worry and not, not fear of like being who I was and being different and being embracing every aspect of myself. And I think as adults, you know, there's, there's, you know, like, you know, you're saying that about kids parties and being like, Oh, okay, I'm going to move away and, you know, and do other things. Cause I don't want to sort of, I guessing, you know, I don't want to be that, like, kids always saying that as well. But, you know, for yourself, moving away, I don't want to, you know, do it. Um, it's really, like, it shouldn't be noble, but it does feel a bit noble. Yeah. I mean, it's a choice, mm. especially in music theatre. There are so many roles and Disney is a big part of that. Yeah. And I'm not saying I never will and I don't because I, I definitely do, you know, and can present like that. But... I suppose it truly there was just a big shift in me from from clowning and it it just opened up this my this minefield for me of like I yeah it just was the it was the instigating event I suppose of hang on why am I in high heels mm. you know at this event I don't I'm not comfortable so and and you know 
these other people, predominantly men, are not in high heels, so why am I? And also just meeting different people and not just being part of, um, you know, a small group of people. That I, I do have and hope to have continually in my life a wide range of people that I interact with, both in my closer circles and my wider circles, you know, of different ages and different different way that they identify and different, you know, um, different cultures and, I don't know, just becomes exhausting if you're worried about skincare all the time, for me personally. Yeah. I mean, were you doing clowning basically at the same time and that was the incentive reason to drop? Kids parties? Yeah. Um, no, I, at the time I was doing, um, it was a Captain Starlight, the Royal Children's Hospital. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, that was great. And it was sort of a trial by fire a little bit in clowning. And I, I definitely, that was a great job. Like I learned a lot about myself in that job. Um, but it's how I got into actually wanting to learn about the craft of clowning a bit more. And my clown teacher was my colleague at work and I only went back to kids parties um because I lost a few jobs during the pandemic and so I was like oh okay I'll go back to kids parties mm-hmm. and I loved it for a hot minute you know and then and then I just knew that I needed to not do it anymore I mean what does clowning entail as well like what do- <laughs> oh I'm really not an expert I'm still a baby clown um my understanding of it at the at this point in time, is is very much about the actor audience relationship. So mm-hmm. they're clown wanting to play with the audience and make the audience laugh, and you know, experiencing the flop together. And I, I'm st- I'm still figuring it out, but there's it's about play and silliness and inner child work, and mm. um, but it's it's so much about audience. Like there's this amazing clip of um. What's Mr. Bean's name? Rowan Atkinson? Oh, Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this clip at one, like a huge sporting event or, and they're in a big stadium and there's like a, an orchestra and he's playing the piano and, you know, he fucks it up because he's a clown and he can't do it. But he's (laughs) just like so hopeful and like, living his best life and having the best time and it's hilarious. I mean, like he, his entire motif is to play to the audience as well. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And that, for me, that's what clowning has been about. Um, do you, do you think mime would interest you then, like doing some mime classes? I don't really know anything about mime, but maybe I'll do anything. <laughs> I love go to class because I mean, like one of my favorite like things about comedy is physical comedy. I've yeah. always been a very physical human, um, and I love being silly with like my body, which is always kind of like. You know, whether and I think as a kid, I just you know I would practice you know falling over. Nice. Um, you know, doing the slapstick, hitting you know hitting the wall first with your hand, making the sound of the thud. Yeah. And then just landing your head calmly on the back of your hand. It's like magic. And then falling off the wall, which I scared my mother a few times, like you know wholeheartedly. <laughs> think I've injured myself. Yeah. But I hadn't. Um. But you know, like I did, I did a, I did an ATYP course, which is Australian Theatre for Young People, and I did like a week's course where it was about clanning and it was about comedy, and I loved it. I thought it was like the bee's knees. I loved like twisting my body into like different, you know, positions where I could be like, oh, okay, I'm like this jester with a hunchback and everything, and I thought that was so cool. And I think, I think I've always sort of like I, I love comedy. I think it's just kind of like 
the thing that I remember growing up and going to the hospital. And I used to have a very big fear of clowns. Yeah. I still kind of like hate clowns a little bit. Like there's something, it's not like people who do clowning, but I just hate the makeup. And I think it's because it's yeah. terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, clowns get a bad rap like that. It is, it's just a thing. It's just, it's just something about that. It's like masks. Um, but I always felt, uh, you know, loved the appreciation because they would come to the children's hospital, which was Westmead's children's hospital. Mm-hmm. And they would come and entertain the kids. And I, like I often say, you know, my partner and I discuss regularly that I should go and do that and entertain kids at like, you know, because it's the, as you say, it's the bee's knees of helping small, small children feel better about themselves. But, you know, like, do you, do you think with your own like style, do you think you're going to like become like, do you take inspiration from Rowan Atkinson as an as a role model, or do you have particular role models that of clowning, or particular like styles of com- comedy that you love? Like, I've got lots of role models. I don't actually know I'm going to end up being like a comedian. It's just, it's like clowning and playfulness is just, uh, I suppose, a way of acting that's just really sat with me. Mm. Um. And I find, I just find it really useful. It's got really useful tools in it. So, I mean, gosh, I would, I would love to be, you know, have a funny show and be a comedic actor. And I hope that that's in my toolkit, but I don't know that it's necessarily the dream to be like a clown. Mm. Um, It's just, as I said, yeah, part of my actor toolkit. Um, But in terms of role models, there's this, Magnificent actor, French actor called Camille Catin. I feel like, sorry, French speakers, I might have, uh, might have really butchered that one. But anyway, she's hilarious. She has this um, movie where she is convinced that she's going to marry Prince Harry. She goes to London from Paris to um, to marry Prince Harry and does some like crazy crazy shit that hasn't been pre-organized like it's sort of mockumentary documentary style filming so she's she's a bit of a um inspiration I really I try to see as much theater as possible and I loved Mm. I love seeing people just own their power on stage and I you know I've seen Virginia Gay twice this year on on stage I saw um Cyrano and Boom Cack Panto and I was just like so here for how much she just her amazing grounded presence power on stage was so cool. So she's totally an inspiration at the moment. Who's your inspiration at the moment? At the moment I've got a few. Mm. Oh that <laughs> See, it's a hard question when when someone's like, who? And you're like, I don't know. If I go directors or like styles of things that I love, especially with writing style or direction style. I love Greta Gerwig. She's amazing. She is like Little Women. Mm. Um, mm. was phenomenal. I'm very excited to see Barbie and see what she does with that, because yeah, Lady Bird and Little Women, hands down, amazing. Um, oh, I loved I loved Pretty Woman, which was very depressing, very depressing film, but very very um. Insightful. And I love Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. Like anything that Carrie Mulligan does, I'm always there for. She is a phenomenal performer. Um, 
I know, I just find those sort of stories, you know, particularly like very raw stories about emotion and or, you know, I, I, I guess the word like escapism because it goes back to like how do we avoid things and how do we sort of like scoot around. And I guess it's the way I write, which I love writing, like people not saying what they truly mean. Like I love, you know, and, and I think it's why I love like musicals and stuff growing up as well because, you know, everyone's singing how they feel in this absurd way and it's just like poetry yeah (laughs) and i've i've seen a lot of musicals and i think like i I was really one of my favorite ones of recent years is tim mentions um matilda which i hands down loved um and i can't wait to watch the netflix adaptation of that um and i was really sad to see the book of mormon um that i didn't get to see it so i I was very disappointed with that but i mean like yeah it's (sighs) You know, and it goes to that, you know, like a little bit of love for theatre and film. Like my passion was in theatre, then fell into film and then into performing like radio dramas and stuff like that. And I, I think I have a love for all mediums mm. um, and particularly like different kinds of styles. Um, but yeah, like because my first and foremost love was performing, like ever since I was a kid, I always loved performing. I thought it was just the funnest thing, being silly. Um, being stupid, like it was just absolutely adorably fun um, to be a big idiot and make people laugh. And I think that that sort of projected in my very young self, which, you know, like made short films, made like, you know, things when I was 10 or 11 Mm. um, with my parents and trying to see, you know, like as we talked about before, seeing the playground. Um, And, yeah, there's a little bit of like, I guess, I guess, yeah, it's, it's uh, trying to challenge myself now, especially with all my inspirations and my love and people who inspire me. But a lot of, a lot of them have come from friends now. A lot of my inspirations have come from like friends and yeah. family members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, I think, I think that's really become quite clear because, you know, like I'm, I'm got to be moving overseas um, with my partner. We're going to be moving to Canada. Cool. And so I really think. Um, you know, and and I'm like I'm getting that age where you know, we're like I don't want to say that age because I'm always going to be young at heart, but um, I do really want to make things with people and and connect with people and have fun with people, and I love this because I always want to support. Like I I'm such a big supporter in like making people's dreams, like wanting to, and I think that's because ever since I was a kid, I just want to see people succeed. Mm. And it's all about having fun, you know, doing it at the end of that. And I can't, I always get, a, you know, like when, you know, that perfectionism stuff sort of creeps in, I can't let it control me and just go and, and tear it away. Like that's where I see a lot of my inspiration, you know, like reminders that, you know, my mum and dad were in short films and they couldn't act for anything, but they did it mm. because it was fun mm. and they wanted to support my, you know, love for things like that to me. And the fact that, you know, like you did kids parties and stuff, it's, it's that sort of like childhood joy. And then, you know, like, yeah, obviously, like I, I recently had to step away from a project, which just wasn't bringing me any more joy anymore. But, it, and it was a good move. Like it was emotionally a good move for me, for me because I was like, okay, tick off that chapter, that project's done. I don't feel like I need to add any more to it, mm. but I'm looking forward to so many more that you know 
are coming my way and, and so many more ideas that I'm writing. And that's kind of like, that's where I get, yeah, it's, yeah, there's no straight answer. That's a very long-winded answer as well, but, you know, like. I think at the end of the day, maybe what what we're talking about is that life is inspiration and, and so if you yeah. can, you know, meet people and work with people and be with people from all different walks of life, then there's going to be inspiration, whether they be the big fancy famous ones or the person you meet you know in the supermarket because they can't reach the top shelf and so mm. you know you get the can of soup for them like it's it is just it's it's supposed about paying attention to the people around you for that like all kinds of inspiration isn't it mm. i was thinking about this actually yeah. um just cuz those that that know me well know that i'm quite obsessed with my sister um <laughs> and and you know she's she's a wonderful human but she is I find her so, I mean, because she's, she's, we're so close, but I find her inspirational because of the things that she's overcome and it's, they're not necessarily huge, crazy things, but mm. you know, being part of the process and watching her grow is like, oh my goodness, you're amazing. <laughs> it's nice. It's very nice. I like it. I love that. I think, you know, I'll never say anyone's experiences in life, you know, are you know small or insignificant because you know the amount of experiences that you know I I talk about with my family and my partner and I um you know it, it's like you and your sister you know I just get excited for every achievement even you know even in the last two years so many things have changed and you know confidence and you know and outlook and everything and defining defining things it's just yeah it's mm. It's nice. Like, I always look up to my partner. I always think that she's, like, she's my inspiration on a daily basis to kind of keep. Oh, my gosh, cute. Keep doing. It sounds really mushy, but, you know, like. <laughs> no, I'm here for it. Like, you know, it's 100% the, the reason I love her because, you know, she's just such a hugely positive person, even when life is, and, and life has not been fair on either of us, but, you know, particularly I've never met someone who makes you know, so much time and so much love for people unconditionally like time and energy into people as much as her. And I think that is a huge, like, you know, uh, and and I think she says the same about me. It's like, it doesn't matter what happens. You could get kicked down a thousand mm. times. You'll still get back up mm. and keep going. And I think that's to me as inspirational people, that's when it gets exciting because yeah, life, Life, as we say, isn't fair. It's not always going to be an easy road. Um, but at the end of the day, it's those connections. It's those moments. It's those things that we make people smile. And, you know, they're, you know, like the moments you have with your sister and the moments I've heard from you today, those are the moments we live for. Those are the things that we get excited for. And And I believe that everyone has a story doesn't matter how insignificant or uh you know silly it sounds everyone has a story everyone's important which is crazy because if we try to <laughs> we try to transcribe and write all 8 billion of us like wow and then think about all the future oh my goodness all the future people and because you you know <laughs> we we have positioned ourselves as very important beings on this world like you know, humans are like, mm. we're the most important. Rah, rah, rah. Um, 
I'm not quite sure what I'm saying, but I'm just like, my brain is just like, wow. I think I'm coming to terms with just right now in this interview of how many people exist and have existed and will exist. It's like, (laughs) it's overwhelming. Like that's just occurred to me. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say? The ripe old age of 28 (laughs) realising that I cannot comprehend what 8 billion people looks like. Just don't think about it on a daily basis. (laughs) Okay. I'll I'll just um just keep it to right here right now and then I'll never think about it again. La 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 la. You know, the, this is the rule I share is there's there are a lot of creatures under the sea that we will never see. Oh my gosh, I know, right? How cool. I know. It's nuts. I, I actually no, on a cool note, I saw a dugong this morning. Did you now? Yeah, I did. Oh yeah, the aquarium. Yeah. So cool. So fucking cool. Yeah. And I just like I watched it eat this morning. I was like, oh my god. No one ever sees this shit. Nice. I need to be there at eight in the morning <laughs> to watch a watch a dugong eat. It was, a, it was a good experience, but you know, like, yeah, I try not to think. I I think I had like, it's funny. It was years ago, but I had that existential crisis of like, you know, we're all mortal, and I I literally had to like talk myself out <laughs> out of it for five minutes. I was like, it's fine, it's fine. We we're here, we're alive. It doesn't matter. But I was like, oh my god, my own mortality. Nice. That's a big one. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's the little brain, the little voice, the little voice in my head. You know, I soften it occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, I mean, before we wrap up, <laughs> before we sort of like end on a high note. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like it's been a roller coaster of an interview, and I I kind of loved every second of it. Has it now? Okay, that's exciting. <laughs> what? Well, you have you have more um more to, data to compare it. Like I haven't been doing your interviews, so if it's a roller coaster, cool. That, that's true. No, I think you've done great today. I think you're phenomenal. Oh no, uh, no, no, no! It's not not about like how I've done. I just mean like I have nothing to compare it against. That's true. This is our first interview together. You know, you've done many of these. I have. I have. I mean, <laughs> it's very scary now. I've done over a hundred, and I'm just like, <laughs> I know. W- what is my life? Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Um. Here's my question for you. Okay. If you could tell, if you could tell your past self, your young self, advice that you have now and lessons that you have learned, what would you tell young Mon? What a great question. It'd be something about intuition, knowing that I know the answers. Yeah, I think I, um, as a as a kid and as a teenager, was there like a really good girl, you know, I followed the rules and did what I was told to do, but sometimes that was at a detriment mm. and I didn't necessarily listen to what my needs were. Um, and, you know, this is probably a lifelong thing um, and a very human thing, but um, I probably would say to, you know, like 14-year-old Mon, you you know the answers and it's okay to act on how you feel. Mm. I love that. But it's it's the same as before about the self-critic. Like that's something I think I will be forever reminding myself. No. I love that. I, 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 you know, I will say this, and th- this isn't kind of with any sort of like, you know, input from you, but I, I think you are an awesome person. You are very oh, like. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, you're very like you're very interesting, and, and I think yeah, like I can see you going far, and you know, just being very like thank you, creative in life. 
You're very good. Thank you. You're very good at what you do. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I believe in you. I believe in you. Even though that's self-critic, I believe. Thanks. I believe in you too. Thank you. Crazy, the crazy pair that we are. Like, you know, we're not a figment of anyone's imagination. We exist. We do exist. <laughs> we're here. Our voices are real. <laughs> Isn't that thing, is it? Like, you know, if you believe in the tooth fairy, the tooth fairy is then real? Or, oh, yeah. I don't know, there's probably some, like, Disney summation of that thought. I just imagine it's Dwayne Johnson from that movie Tooth Fairy. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that movie, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It takes mm. you back, though. Mm. Weird times of early Dwayne Johnson career. Mm. Um, <laughs> all right. My final question. My final question of the night. Where can people find you, Mon? Where can they stalk you? Where can you stalk me? Um... Instagram or just come find me in the park. <laughs> just randomly <laughs> on a bench. I am often in the park, especially when the sun's out, out for a walk. Come find me in the park, anyone. Come say hi. <laughs> <laughs> I love a chat. Come say hi. It'd be great. Um, no. Uh, I don't know. I don't like this question, which, you know, that is an interesting thing in itself. Because I would like to be more comfortable with self-promotion. But yeah, my Instagram is something like Monstagram <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> it will be in the bio. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you've really you've really like uncovered a, a bit of a raw raw spot for me. I'm like, ooh. But actually, actually, here's some self-promotion. Um I am part of a play called Pillow Fight, and we have a few different um tour dates that haven't been um, finalized, but we are doing some fun performances next year. So if you want to see a, um, wonderful play by Laura Lethlean about patriarchy, um, sex and power and consent, mm-hmm. search pillow fight and you'll see me in that. That's how you can stalk me. That's fucking cool. Yeah. The anchor is a wonderful, um, theater company in Melbourne. Mm. But yeah. It's, um, magnificent play. Um, I feel so incredibly grateful to be a part of it and we had a lot of fun putting it together, lots of silliness, but, you know, heavy play too, which I sort of love being part of a, you know, wider conversation. I really hope it comes to Sydney when and if, because that would be awesome to see. If you want to make that happen, I'll be there. Uh, (laughs) I'll talk. I'll talk to my people. I'll make it happen. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Um, but no, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you tonight. Right back at you. Thank you. And um, if you want to go and check out more episodes of The Things We Do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week, and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.